You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Thank you. 
Don't you know We're talking about a revolution Sounds Don't you know we're talking about a revolution It sounds like a whisper While they're standing in the welfare lines Crying at the doorsteps of those armies of salvation Wasting time in the unemployment lines Sitting around waiting for a promotion Don't you know we're talking about a revolution It sounds Gonna rise up and get their share. Poor people gonna rise up and take what's there. Don't you know you better run, 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 But a revolution Yes, finally the tables are starting to turn Talking about a revolution Oh, no Talking about a revolution Oh, while they're standing in the welfare lines Crying to those of those armies of salvation Wasting time in the unemployment lines Sitting around waiting for Hi, my name's Pilar Aguilera and I'm 3CR's chairperson. I'm urging you to become a 3CR subscriber. We need to keep independent, radical, dissenting voices on air. Social change doesn't just happen, we need to nurture it. We desperately need to hear alternative ideas that allow us to organise, build community and change the systems that continue to oppress us and destroy the planet. Put your money where your mouth is. Become a member. Subscribe today. Yeah, subscribe to 3CR Community Radio. And you're now tuned into Queering the Air on 3CR Community Radio. I'm Iris and... Yeah, I'll be with you until 4pm today on 3CR and what a time it is, a small lockdown but essential broadcasting here at 3CR so I'm here in the studio live and what a time to be here. Firstly, I'd just like to acknowledge that I'm broadcasting over the land of the Wurundjeri and Bunurong peoples of the Kulin Nations. Sovereignty was never ceded, genocide is ongoing and so is First Nations resistance. And I'd like to pay my respect to any Indigenous listeners today. Um, yeah, and on that bit about myself, um, it's been a time over the break, I guess not a restrictions time, but 
been a time when I've gone to some things and so people that might not listen to me before, I'm Iris, I'm a white queer settler um, and trans, she, her, they, them. Um, yeah, some of the things I've been to, Invasion Day, was a big Invasion Day rally, Land Back Fest, which is big event. Um, we saw refugees that were that were locked up in hotels in Melbourne, some of them released and struggles still ongoing there. I'd also like to shout out to um, listeners celebrating Lunar New Year. Unfortunately, the lockdown has come in. Um, yeah, and I'd also like to just play a, um, a small amount from an interview I did relating to Landback Fest, because for listeners who don't know, Landback Fest was about one of Kanak and Fortuna Youth Nursery, which are both land initiatives, one based in here, um, in so-called Australia, um, yeah, coordinated by Rico Alu, um, and Fortuna Youth Nursery, which is about Vanuatu and adapting to climate change there in the Pacific. Um, it was an amazing event. And this is a bit about the vision in terms of land back um, that Arika, who had the privilege to interview on Women on the Line um, earlier in the year, talked about. Yeah, so just going to play a small amount of that. And I know it's like Captain... I mean, so-called Captain Cook got cooked day today, and um, but yeah, what can those of us as settlers do in solidarity? It's easy to put out these statements celebrating um, the death of such a vile colonial figure, but how are we complicit in this ongoing project here? So here's Arika talking about the Wernher Connect land back thing, initiative, sorry, not thing have an opportunity to regenerate a piece of land or pieces of land um, on my grandmother's country, which is Japarang country and Gundijmara country from Gary Word, the Grampians, all the way down to Portland and Warrnambool, um, all to the Otways. Um, yeah, I believe that this is, you know, a remedy to invasion day it's a remedy to colonization it's a remedy to colonial violence systemic government violence um it's a remedy to the white patriarchy um to capitalism it's the remedy that um we all need we need land back um we need to have control of our lives we need our own food. We need to nourish our souls and our bodies with our own food. Um, and we need to we need to run it. Yes, that was Erika speaking there on Wernher Connect's Land Back Initiative. Check that out um, on the show notes of this show on Queering the Air. And in terms of this shows, I, this show today, I'll be playing some tracks, and we'll be talking about the House of Mutual Learning, which is set up to help support trans people i know it's been a heavy time and yeah in the trans community and there's some amazing stuff going on around community support and we're going to be talking about that we're hearing from alex soon on that after some tracks and in the first bracket was which i didn't announce before that was kian better things and of course talking about a revolution by tracy chapman 
And up next is Speak Your Language, Alice Sky. I'm Iris, you're tuned into Querying the Air on 3CR Community Radio. Thank you. 
And you're tuned in to Queering the Air on 3CR Community Radio. I'm Iris, and I think we have Alex on the line now. You, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Can you hear me? Awesome. We can hear you. Um, Alex is one member of House, the House of Mutual Learning, which we'll be talking about today, um, which is a community peer-led project towards um, getting the funds for a house and practicing care practice within the trans and gender diverse community. Um, but first, would yeah. you like to talk a bit about yourself and how you're going? Because I believe you came back into the lockdown from a trans camp. Yeah, so I've had, um, you know, quite a little time. So we had a really gentle um, time up um, north, about uh, three hours north up on the Murray. We, uh, we did a five-day camp and... Uh, well, our phones died and we just sort of were just um, having a nice time together and then the day we were coming back, we're like, oh, um, yeah, so a very stark contrast coming from a very gentle time with nature and um, doing some land management up as well, like, um, you know, working with some, with some people to sort of remove some of the weeds in the local area that we're staying in and um, cooking every day and then really gentle... Um, time together than to come down to, you know, I also had lockdown, which, um, you know, I guess it's nice to be back, but it's a bittersweet pill. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Sounds like Yorta Yorta country is so magical there on the river. Truly. Yeah, there's um, definitely something to be felt there that, um, you know, slowing down and and being on on country and and sort of really... um, yeah, just trying to be with that as much as we could, and it was a, a humbling and deep experience. Yeah, very magical. Yeah, um, and it seems to me that that sort of spirit in the camp is a lot about is a is a lot about what you're wanting with the vision for House of Mutual Learning. So, could you talk a bit about how it has come about and what it is? Oof, okay, sure. Um, but you don't have to go into. Yeah, we won't get into some of the some of the details. It's it's a it's a long and and and, and in many parts a bit heavy. Um, but maybe to introduce myself a little bit, like I'm, a, um, yeah, I was a practicing artist for a time, and I've actually switched into um, a, a, a master's of, of psychotherapy, um, and I've just finished my first year, which is really exciting. Um, and then, sort of more broadly within the community, in the last couple of uh, months, we've just had. Um, quite a lot of things come up, and and I, I felt a big, big part of something deep in my belly, just being like, I can't, um, can't sit by idly, and and watch, you know, essentially what is like a, a really uh, tough time for many people. I mean, not everyone's noticing these things, but there, broadly, there's like a lot going on, um, particularly within the trans community and and many others as well. There's so many things going on, you know. Um, you know, after what has been a really rough year, and if we know anything about trauma, that it takes some time to really, really kick in, and, and, and to starting to get a bit of that sense. So I've, I've been just kind of um, in my own journey, just helping people. As I've taken people to hospital, I've taken calls um, from people going through, uh, you know, small emergencies to quite big ones, and. Um, you know, I, I, I ended up having some people stay with me even as well and, and um, we had a spare bedroom in a, at a house and uh, one person I was uh, a bit high risk and took them to hospital and we, we, we were there for about 
four hours until 2am in the morning and we got told right at the end of the intake that uh, there was no beds available in the entire hospital precinct, mm. um, which includes like four or five hospitals. So that person came home and stayed with me that night and I also had another person staying with me then. And um, just out of lack of choice, there was nothing we could sort of do. And um, But we did manage to like... Uh, support some people and get the, we got some people into some other mental health options that aren't just inpatient care at a hospital. There's some some less acute options, and we, it takes a lot of time to enter into those spaces, and and especially having a bit of time held with you and when you're um, when you're going through something rough, and and you know, so I was really like holding people and inviting friends and other community members and other community um, sort of run projects. Um, we had the, the Food Angels um, who's been dropping off um, home, really delicious home-cooked meals for us. We had a masseuse come in and give both me and the person I was caring for a massage and, and sort of did a real bilateral care practice for each other. Um, and um, by the time we got people into the hospital, we noticed that, um, you know, there could really... It was less of an emergency, but just, you know, like getting... Um, you know, some, some proper mental health expertise um, around them was, was really beneficial. But noticing that community care is, is one of the most powerful agents for, for someone's mental health, to feel connected, to feel seen, to feel safe, and get rid of the triggers, get rid of the, you know, the things that are going on and, and, and get help. So essentially mm. being like case managing and being a peer support worker and a low-key counsellor and, and kind of just an all-round mate to people and, and it just kind of, conversation after conversation, it just became so apparent that, like, everyone was just like, there's not, not a place we can go to, and there's a big sense that, like, um, you know, waiting for institutions to take care of us is, is going to be a bit, um, you know, it's going to be like holding our breath, and so breathing on our own and supporting ourselves and, and creating a stronger, like, I love the metaphor of my filial um, network that um, you know, shares the resources and the care and I've got lots of love to spare so I'll give you some of that and I know some mates are great, make some good food and um, and sharing so it just hit me like a ton of bricks is that we need to um, you know, I've been doing some advocacy trying to get some, some sort of more of the political um, people at the top to kind of you know step up and just not really experiencing enough you know mm. support from from institutions, and it was a big aha moment of you know, institutions always going to be broken no matter what we do in, in some way or another because they rely on a hierarchy and there's something uh, profoundly more beautiful in community um, um, to sort of be had there. So, yeah, we, we, we just a small group of us have um, come together at this point and we've started a fundraiser to, to hopefully rent a house and, and sort of push towards having an actual dedicated space that people can have a short-term term stay, either um, just to sort of deal with, with um, some, some mental health stuff or to support them into, you know, critical care or more acute care or um, finding, you know, the right kind of pathways, um, which can be really difficult, particularly when you're, um, like myself, trans and looking for help and um, and it's, a, it's almost a full-time job. I mean, it is yeah. actually a full-time job to, to administer your own sort of um, case management when, you, when you're having any form of mental health issue. So, 
I guess yeah. that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. And yeah, I know one of the things you have on a, on a Chuffed campaign, which listeners should check out or pass on to people they know with the cash to donate to, which we'll provide a link in the show notes, is, as you talked about, and I quote, one of the best preventatives to mental health risk is a strong community. Yeah. Um, what are some more of the learnings you've had in what you've done and what do you hope to learn? Oh, um, well, I guess maybe I can point to the Hommel, the name itself, House of Mutual Learning. Um, the biggest thing that I've learned is that when... Um, when we're actually genuine about creating a space of, of growth, it has to be mutual. And growth is mm. a type of learning and, um, you know, it can be many layers of, of that. And, and so um, I'm also a person that has a, a interesting intersection with her own uh, mental health. And when, when I'm working as a peer with someone that um, I have just as much to learn from them as they do for me, and, and, and we share that space together. And, um, you know, I think that's maybe the most radical idea that I'm sitting with in, in that it's it's not about, like, not sick people help, helping sick people. It's like we're all, a bit, we're all a bit struggling in our own way. We can all, some of us have a little bit more capacity and call that... Um, I sort of really experienced this really as a seesaw within the community capacity. Some people go down while other people go up and other people go down while the others go up. And, and um, you know, there are times when I can give so much and there's time where I need so much. And, and you know, I think if it becomes a shared experience in recovery and, and, and seeking, and I think mental health is really about curing a pathology or, oh, well, you've got borderline personality. Well, that's a problem. It's, it's much rather it's a, um, yeah. you know, a, a, a problem in, in, in meaning, in hope, in, in, in a struggle towards anguish or with anguish or against anguish and so many aspects in it that our system really doesn't know how to deal with. And I think community... I think we could offer some of those answers, thinking about trans camp and land management and working with mob and, and um, you know, having a bit of bit more meaning in a world that's, that's struggling, you know, um, and doing that together. You know, it's just strengthening that, that seesaw so that we become a bit more balanced as a community and share what sometimes is a very heavy burden. So... Mm. Yeah, I don't know if that really answers the question. No, many thoughts. Yeah. yeah, it's a hard one, the open question about learning. Thanks mm. for that answer. Um, yeah, just hearing a lot about interdependence and, yeah, your point about that it's mutual as well. It's not like a didactic thing. Mm. It's a, like a process or it's a relationship. Yeah, um, we don't want to form a binary of our own about, you know, good versus not good or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, could you talk a bit more about what healing would look like for you in terms of this project and what you've learned? <laughs> Oof, okay. Um, healing to me and in this project. Um, okay, 
Well, to begin with myself, you know, I've gone, I've gone through a lot and don't need to go into it, but I'll just say it's been a lot. You know, it's been a hard life mm. in so many ways and it's been a good life in so many ways, but there has been, you know, a never-ending, it's almost like a bucket that's so full in me that, um, you know, I can't cope anymore. It's just like that one little bit too much in that bucket and I'm all of a sudden I'm full. I can't handle anything more and, and um, you know, it's been... And actually years recovering from, from what was like a very severe overwhelm of essentially trauma. And, um, you know, it was really difficult to find help. And I, I did that, you know, without much family. No, well, without any family support. And, um, you know, found it difficult to reach out to my community. And did that on my own. And it t- spent years really, you know, at a time I had like six, seven therapists. And I was trying everything I could. Um and I don't know, there's, there's been a thousand lessons that I've learned in that one and, and I, I, it made me so passionate for it that I just, you know, want to help other people in that one. And, and I think, yeah, this final lesson is like actually, you know, the thing that I've been missing is a community, a shared space where, where that can happen. And, um, you know, healing is, I feel like it's healing from individualism, you know, which mm-hmm. is a part of that colonial narrative, part of that capital narrative capitalist um, individualism where we're like, you know, stoic individuals that are each of ourselves are an island independent, like an ecology in of itself. And we are, but we're an ecology within an ecology. And, um, you know, there are a lot of like pathologies that are deemed untreatable or like difficult clients to work with. And I think that's disappointing because when I learn at school it's like, oh, well, borderline's a difficult thing to treat. And I'm like, well, that's me and half the people I know, so mm. why am I here? And I realize that, you know, a pathology like that, we're, we're calling it borderline. Borderline of what? I don't know what that is. We should call it anguish syndrome or emotional regulation anguish syndrome or something along those. That would make a bit more sense and, and with something like that, we're actually talking about regulating and co-regulating, and that that actually requires other humans. Um, and that's why, you know, go to a therapist, get someone to co-regulate with you. But what, you get that once a week? Mm. You know, to heal for these kind of wounds, you need to be saturated in, in, in a positive environment that doesn't re-trigger. And instead, it regulates mm. the nervous system and supports the nervous system. So those complex thing that we call our body can sort of literally heal, you know, its nervous system, which actually gets like, you know, the limbic system, the amygdala, the sort of the central nervous system, they actually get injured physically and it needs time and despite and care and love and a practice that is, you know, that, that makes people feel seen um, is the thing that actually generates recovery um, in my own recovery and the people that... Um, you know, I've had the the grace to work with or the, the good fortune for me to, to be able to share that with people. And, and what happens when you share is, yeah, you regulate, heal, and, you know, it's a complex thing, but it's something that we do as a community, not as individuals. Um, yeah, for sure. The, yeah. Um, yeah, and just coming to my mind in that, um, yeah, we know, like, there's only so much therapy can can do in terms of the mental health system just thinking about 
my own experiences in terms of there's so many sessions, there's X hour. It's like an individualized process. It's not like a group thing. It's like the limitations of that are pretty... And that's once you go through the waiting list, which we know, yeah, it's just organized abandonment. It's, it's really... The system oh. has a lot to answer for. Um, wow. Yeah, organized abandonment. That um, that really... That hits home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's from us... Uh, Amazing writer Ruthie Wilson Gilmore talks about organized about organized abandonment and organized violence, and I find that that those twin concepts pretty powerful way to understand how society is structured. Um, yeah, for many oppressed communities. Mm. Yeah, but sort of now going to where is the House of Mutual Learning at? Um, are you? looking for more people to be involved at the moment? Yeah, so, you know, I've been away for a week and, um, you know, we're doing pretty good on the fundraiser and... um, um, Sorry, I just got distracted. Someone was dropping some things off. Um, Yeah, we've raised... We're nearly halfway on our our fundraiser and we've started looking at our different housing options. But we've just discovered, you know, actually haven't just discovered it. I sort of knew... Knew about this for a while that uh, there, there is a bit of a housing crisis as well. It's quite difficult to, you know, the house that comes on the market can be gone the next, you know, within 24 hours. And sort of chatting, had a meeting today, and and we were thinking that we do have this big goal to have a house, but there's probably some steps before that happens. And thinking and leaning into community, and so many people are reaching out and like, we want to help, we want to help, and it's just like. Oh, well, we need a house first, and, and kind of struck us both. So the person I'm working with, uh, and I were chatting today, we were just like, we're thinking at this point we're going to start more immediately by working with people that have rooms available and share houses and using some of that money um, initially to, to just cover rent for a couple of weeks and then organise volunteers to sort of come in and sort of wrap around and um, we'll have some people with some more um, training to come in, do a bit of a, like, check in and, you know, a low-key assessment, you know, I don't like to use that word, but, you know, check in what this person really needs, what's, what's the risk, what's what's going on and, and how can we together help them, you know. Um, and so sort of maybe starting less centralised and more um, more mycelium-orientated um, and just seeing if, if we could get a couple of houses at least and start from there and build upwards with, with a goal in the future to get a house. I mean, the dream would be is if if we didn't have to pay rent for a house, then then mm. it'd be incredibly sustainable, and we're like fingers crossed as some um, rich philanthropic uh, person with a big heart that could sort of offer us a space um, and reduce if we reduce that cost, and we've got a very sustainable model. Um, what we're thinking today, as soon as we get a house, then we're we're committed to that rent, and and it's going to be a you know, and we'll be living on the edge, um, and. Under that knife of, of, of got to get more and more and more money to support something, and part of me feels like it's not capitalism that solves this problem. It's not paying for a house, but it's like getting a room where we can and a strong supportive share house with a good clear group of people, and then supporting those people with community, dropping food, or having having someone to come in every day, and different people with um, different intersections in the community as well as mental health training to support people and. That might be the first thing we could do mm. in working to the next steps and t- 
tying into other sort of community resources and building it more organically rather than, you know, because we don't, we don't want to create a hierarchy and, and we don't want to create, you know, a, a system of control essentially, but it's like a system of, I guess, like connected resources and, 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 and coming out as little pockets rather than centralised would be, yeah, I guess that's where we're at. Um, um, yeah, and we're going to sort of, um, you know, have a call out to the community to sort of, we've got an online form so we can sort of made it, make a bit of a DAR, the base of all the people saying, I'd love to help. We have a big list of, of people and see if there's a list of people with houses and then you know, start to collaborate and start having some, some meetings and involving more and more of the community because um, we are a little bit limited in um, our own physical capacity. I'm only human, can only do so much, so... Um, hopefully can lean towards, yeah, something a bit more collective and communal. And um, so, yeah, I guess we're like really interested in getting people, more and people involved and when working out how do we manage that and, and creating a bit of a, a bit of a group that can sort of handle that administrative burden and then, yeah, going from there and, and working towards maybe a bit slowly towards a house and you know, into the long-term future, I think, actually owning a house in the community or, or having something that's um, owned by us, run by us, um, um, would mm. be amazing. And, but yeah. maybe steps. Yeah. Do you see it, um, yeah, do you foresee it linking up with, like, yeah, all the communities also struggling with housing and abandonment in terms of mental health stuff? Um, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's, it's uh, even in just finding, you know, mm -hmm. the other groups, um, getting connected, getting um, introduced. There's, there's still there's so much to do, and, and particularly if there are orgs that are doing this and that could um, offer support into community um, and handing resource into community, then these are the sort of things we're looking for and hoping for and wanting to know if there's... I mean, it'd be funny if we found out there was another something just like this. I mean, there are a few things sort of like this, but they're very difficult to access and they're not really focused for crisis responses to mental health so, and tailored towards trans and gender um, diverse experience. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, yeah, in terms of where to find you, you have an Instagram page? Yes. Um, yeah, so if you look up HOML, H-O-M-L, um, I think it's homel.vic is our Instagram. I think. Actually, don't trust me. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll put, the sh put, it, I'll put it in the show notes in the podcast. Fantastic. Yeah, and we, we created a... We've just got a quick little, um, you know, Google web page that we've, we've put up, and that has our um, form at the bottom, and it has a bit of information and a link to the, the Chuffed campaign. And, and we're just going to slowly grow those um, access points. Um, and will eventually become sort of open, essentially, for, for people in crisis to, to be able to contact. But um, um, sort of just sort of forming the, the structure around to in which how we can hold groups of people, community members. Um, yeah, so yeah. 
jump online, have a look at uh, what's gone up so far. And it's, it is still early days. It's something that's like each week is changing and we're only little and we're definitely looking to grow and become bigger and find out the best ways to do that. But yeah, have a little check out. And I think one thing as well, like something that's been told to me like many times in, a diff- in one way and another, but a friend of mine, a filmmaker, explained this, this feeling that it feels like in the queer community when we're raising funds that we're just handing the same $20 between us, you know. It's like, I'll pay for this show and you'll pay for this and I'll pay for this top surgery. And you don't, like, we're not a hugely resourced, but something that I've been doing and sort of, you know, is turning to people that, that do have that and, and telling a bit of the story to, like, members of my family, which I haven't even come out to. I wrote a few em- emails coming out to some mm. some uncles and some aunts and just been like, this is my story for the last six years and, you know if you want to support them, this is a great way. And sort of turning to the community to fundraise, essentially, like turning to the community to turn to other people with money and inject, you know, the finances outside of us into us, rather. And, um, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, and if you're just tuned in, you're tuned in to 3CR Community Radio, Queering the Air. I'm Iris, and I'm speaking to Alex, talking about the House of Mutual Learning. Um, I guess we're reaching towards the end of things I was going to ask you, but did you have any more shout-outs? Because one of the things you did mention earlier was the Food Angels, which is yeah. LGBTIQA plus Mutual Aid Project, which has been integral in terms of yeah. community support the last few months. Yeah, and, and they were maybe one of the first sort of community sort of uh, responses in a wave of crises. And they've personally dropped the most gorgeous meal um, to me personally and the people that I'm looking after. And I think currently they're um, delivering to about 50 different people within the community across, um, you know, across NAM. Um, and they've just um, put up a fundraiser um, to, to sort of make it a bit more sustainable. And they've already worked out a bit of a model on, on, on how to sort of share that load. And um, there's some incredible people behind that one. And uh, more than anything, I'm like, um, want to really suggest that supporting them, even $20, you know, is enough to really make a difference to what is a really powerful response from the community. Um, you know, it has no funding, run by peers, you get some gorgeous, like, queer rocking up to your door with, like, um, you know, a bunch of just most deliciously cooked food. So, um, A, I want to thank them so much for their work and, B, just really shout out to them and, and to the community to give them some support. And uh, they've just started up a um, an Instagram as well and so you can sort of track them down through that. Yeah, awesome. I'll provide the links to those as well in the show notes. And if you just search Food Angels Mutual Aid Project Chuffed, it'll probably come up as well. Well, do you have anything else you'd like to mention? Um, God, I could probably talk today uh, for days about all this. But um, no, just a big thank you for having me on and, and um, really appreciate, very humbled to, to get to talk to you now about it. And um, yeah, thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for your time. It's really nice to have you on. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's been pretty sudden after trans camp going into these um, the isolation sort of stay at home restrictions. But yeah, hopefully 
it'll be over soon in terms of there won't be more cases. Mm-hmm. But yeah, thank you for your time, Alex. Thank you so much, Harris. You have a good day. You too. Alrighty. Thank you. Ciao. Bye. You're listening to 3CR. This is Billy X. Jennings of the Black Panther Party. Power to the people. And you're listening to Creating the End, 3CR Community Radio. You just heard from Alex Carf talking about the House of Mutual Learning there, all about trans and gender diverse community support. Pretty amazing stuff. And I, yeah, I'm really interested in having those sorts of conversations and seeing what we can do in 2021. Um... Yeah, so up next, I guess I'll play a track for you. I'm going to play Honey Machete, Bed of Bones. You're listening to Queering the Out on 3CR Community Radio. Yes, it is Subscriber Drive on 3CR Community Radio in February from tomorrow. So go and subscribe to keep Radical Radio going. Where would we be without 3CR? Um, Having these conversations that you wouldn't 
really have in too many other places. You're listening to Queering the Air on 3CR, and I'm Iris, and we're towards the end of our show now. I do want to shout out to a really bad thing that's happening called the Online Safety Bill, which Scarlet Alliance, the sex worker, Peak August, put out a statement on, and it basically is a scheme that has potential to be harmful to sex workers in terms of making criminalizing advertising, I mean, banning advertising, online content, and a range of other things. So it has big um, implications here. And today is the last day to put in a submission if you want to do that. And actually closes at 5 p.m. So, but there's really other ways to do social change as well, so beyond that submission. So think about creative things you could do there. Yes. Um, other things I was going to mention today. Today is so-called Valentine's Day, as well as Captain Got Cooked Day. Um, I think a lot about the myths about romantic love and scarcity and capitalism, creating this idea of the one partner, the one, and also in this lockdown about you know, this intimate partner rule again. And it's like, what about sing- single people? Do we have no relationships of significance? There's all these embedded assumptions in how things are organized around. Yeah, but there's a great essay by, by Dean Spade um, called Four Lovers and Four Fighters. And I thought I'd just read out something from it. And I quote... And this is talking about the romance myth. Indeed, the romance myth is focused on scarcity. There is only one person out there for you. You need to find someone to marry before you get get too old. The sexual exclusivity rule is focused on scarcity too. Each person only has a certain amount of attention or attraction or love or interest. And if any of it goes to someone besides their partner, their partner must lose out. We don't generally apply this rule to other relationships. We don't assume that having two kids means loving the first one less or not at all, or having more than one friend means being a bad or fake or less interested friend than our other friends. We apply this particularly under, partic- we apply this particular understanding of scarcity to romance and love, and most of us internalize that feeling of scarcity pretty deeply. And then Dean goes on to another part, and I quote, and yet, Every, despite everything I've expressed here, I also have serious concerns about the push for polyamory amongst my friends. Sometimes I see it emerging as a new sexual norm and a basis for judgment and coercion. In some circles, I mean, it has become the only radical way, in inverted commas, to be sexual. Those who partner monogamously and those who don't get it, get it on a lot, are judged. I also see perhaps more frequently the polynorm causing people to harshly judge themselves when feelings of jealousy come up. So yeah, that was a quote from Dean Spade in Four Lovers and Fighters, and I'll provide a link to that in the show notes. Definitely gives me a lot to think about. I think like a topic would be good to explore with a guest at some point. But we've reached the end of our show today and querying the air. Um, yeah, and the show is a bit at a crossroads. I'm thinking we're going to be needing new presenters on it'll be cool to have someone to present on but we will be making those announcements i reckon later but yeah i'll have to make decisions around that but saying it here first live 
Um, so yeah, get in touch with the show by querying there at gmail.com or on our Facebook and Twitter if you are interested. But yeah, we'll put out proper announcements about that at some point. Yeah, anyway, um, I'm Iris and stay tuned to 3CR Community Radio. Up next, I'll play some June Jones' new track out by June called Home. And bye. This is home. 
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.